This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. We have a lot to go over, and Jonathan Turley is going to unwind it for us, a legal expert talking about what took place yesterday. Everybody horrified that I know of what happened on Capitol Hill, horrified uh, that we saw a situation where we had to wait till 4 in the morning to have uh, Joe Biden's electoral votes be confirmed. But it happened. It's through. Uh, the president's uh, tweets were iced out. He's on hold on Facebook and Twitter because they say he was inciting violence, to paraphrase. But he's uh, gettable on Parler, as am I, by the way. So a couple of things. Had a chance to go on Martha last night, talk to Kaylee McEnany at the White House. She said, number one, uh, it was not the vice president who called him the National Guard. It was the president. Number two, it wasn't Joe Biden who told the president to make his uh, tape, which he put out. He said he was taping at the time that Joe Biden began to talk. But uh, the president did not think that breach was going to happen. But when it did happen, he did not act quick enough. The fact is, most of these guys, even if they were infiltrator, were infiltrated, were Trump supporters. Number two, if they're a law and order party, if they're in law and order beliefs, if that's a group uh, that is horrified by what Antifa and Black Lives Matters did over the summer and the spring, uh, they should not have done the same exact thing. And Joe Biden's comments were fine yesterday. But where were they last year? But now he's president-elect, and I have no complaints about what he said and where we go from here. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We were told that we couldn't win this election, but tonight we prove that with hope, anything is possible. It is with humility that I thank the people of Georgia for electing me to serve you in the United States Senate. Unbelievable. I thought it would be unthinkable, unfathomable, but it happened. Both Senate seats in Georgia are occupied by left-wing Democrats. The president's behavior since losing the election November 3rd has led to this Democrat victory. They are now in control of the House, the Senate, and the White House. Yes, Chuck Schumer is running the Senate. Number two. The votes for president of the United States are as follows. Joseph R. Biden, Jr., of the state of Delaware has received 306 votes. Donald J. Trump of the state of Florida has received 232 votes. Just like that, Mike Pence banged in and certified Joe Biden as president-elect. Lawmakers came back to their credit uh, through the rubble, and they did their electoral college victory, uh, and they confirmed it for Joe Biden amidst all that ruin. Trump finally commits to an orderly transition to power, but not that he lost. Number one. Security 
Just like that, walls breached, chaos reigns in the Capitol. A generational event with a terrible stain on American history. Four killed as angry protesters decide to become rioters. Most of them are pro-Trumpers. The president's speech lit the fire. Rudy Giuliani underlined it. And the fallout is tremendous from the country. To the point is, according to the Washington Post, who often has it wrong, but I'll relay it, that the president is just surrounded by um, John McAtee, Mark Meadows, and Steve Miller. It basically just uh, shut himself in. And, and according to a report, he was not that upset when this first happened. He wanted to slow down the electoral process. But, man, this got ugly quick. Uh, to think they'll do these to their sacred building. They'd break, the, uh, they'd break through the glass. They'd go through the window. Some of them had chemical devices. Some pipe bombs were actually found. Do you believe this? To detonate later on? They found pipe bombs and Molotov cocktails. Now, because of that, now they've mobilized 6,000 National Guard from Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, uh, and Maryland. Got 400 from Maryland, Virginia. State troopers are also helping out. Sadly, they only had 350 there to stop the protesters who really feel like this election was stolen from getting into the building. So the president, realizing this was getting out of control, Realizing his political fortunes were cascading down a mountain faster than anything you've ever seen, took to Twitter and recorded this. Cut three. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. Listen. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. Okay. Uh, The problem is there were some irregularities. The mail-in voting without an excuse, problematic. Without a pandemic, president wins. But we had a pandemic. We had no excuse balloting. Uh, They did change their constitutions last minute. Some sincerely, some insincerely. Bottom line is, life's not fair. There were some irregularities, but not enough to change the results of the election. The president did great. He had a great four years. He got 74 million votes. Problem is, the other guy got 80 million. I don't know if someone printed up 6 million erroneous votes. But the fact is, you haven't been able to prove it in two and a half months. And because of that, it swamped. And embarrass your supporters. It swamped the good news. It swamped your victories. And it's costing you your political future. And those who want to follow you. Your base is shrinking. In fact, the president kind of realizing that uh, came out and said, I'm asking everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful, no violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law of our great men and women in blue. They didn't. Joe Biden actually made more sense. Cut four. At this hour, our democracy is under unprecedented assault, unlike anything we've seen in modern times. An assault 
on the Citadel of Liberty, the Capitol itself. An assault on the people's representatives. Right. Uh, it, listen, unprecedented. It was horrific, as horrific as what happened in Minneapolis. Not only George Floyd's death, but what happened after. As horrific that's happening 200-plus days in Portland and Seattle. Democrats weren't even complaining about that. They still wanted to defund the police, and they still are defunding the police. And no one talked about masks, and I'm not going to change my point of view. I'm not going to pretend that law and order is not an issue because Trump supporters are part of law and disorder. I'm not going to do it. And you could decide not to follow me on Twitter. You could decide that Pauler is somebody you don't want to. Go ahead. Because your compliments in life mean nothing if, you're, if they're not coming from a candid, honest place. And if my compliments and candid comments are to be taken and I guess respected, you have to take the same respect with the comments you don't like. You can say, well, I don't agree with me. But there's no way I'm going to insincerely say it was not Donald Trump's fault that this happened. He didn't tell him to breach the walls, but he let Rudy Giuliani use terms that says we're going to have trial by combat. He had Donald Trump Jr. using extremely aggressive language. The president cursed publicly for the first time that I've seen. And he basically told everyone to march down to the Capitol and protest. And it became a riot. When you have tens of thousands of people who you told were robbed, what do you expect? It is unbelievable that we're ending this four years. Instead of saying, beat Grover Cleveland Revisited, win those Senate elections, win the House back, and hold the Senate, and then be bare in 2024, you lost both seats by taking on the governor and secretary of state. Both seats. And now the balance of power in the Senate belongs to Chuck Schumer, your arch enemy. His inability to see around the corner to the ramifications of his actions are stunning. And, Mr. President, if you are fighting with the most loyal vice president in my lifetime, it's on you. It's not on Mike Pence. I mean, this is the type of comment from Rudy Giuliani that just is insightful and irresponsible. Cut 14. Over the next 10 days... We get to see the machines that are crooked, the ballots that are fraudulent, and if we're wrong, we will be made fools of. But if we're right, a lot of them will go to jail. So let's have trial by combat. 1-866-408-7669. What does that even mean, trial by combat? Are you going to go grab, you're telling everyone to grab the Dominion machines and examine the software? What does that even mean? You've had since November 5th to look at this. Every major lawyer has left. And they want to say it's because of political pressure. It means, yeah, there are irregularities. But it's not enough to overturn all these states. You thought Hillary Clinton was bad. This is just as bad. She's pathetic. She's destroyed because she doesn't understand she lost to Donald Trump. The Democratic Party should be embarrassed by how they acted, blaming Russia for flipping votes and giving the president that election. And then the impeachment that followed. They should be embarrassed. But because they should be embarrassed 
and their behavior was despicable. It doesn't excuse the same behavior when you do it. Back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I called Mike Pompeo last night, let him know, let him tell him that I'd be resigning from that. I just, I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't stay. It's a, it's a nothing thing. It doesn't affect the outcome. It doesn't affect the transition, but it's, it's what I've got, right? And it's a position I really enjoy doing, but you can't do it. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see more of my, uh, my friends um, resign over the course of the next uh, 24 to 4 hours. It'll be completely understandable uh, if they did. If those of those who, who choose to stay, and I have talked to a couple of them, are choosing to stay because they are concerned that the president might put someone in to replace them that could make things even worse. So far, as the president was holed up uh, with a few people, uh, there's a lot of people around the president I respect. I like the president personally. He has snapped since losing this election. And I saw in his face three weeks ago when I interviewed him, but that was Mick Mulvaney resigning from his ceremonial post as Northern Ireland's ambassador. Stephanie Grisham is gone. She did a bad job anyway, but still she walks out of the first lady. Matt Pottinger is gone. He was deputy national security advisor, very strong on China. So he's out. Listen, there's 13 days left. Uh, Just stick around. Uh, Robert O'Brien signed with the vice president. Evidently the president is... uh, is uh, blind with rage. He's so angry at the vice president. Does he know the vice president had no choice? Charlie, Lucy on WOKV in Jacksonville. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good. Uh, a couple points, if I could, if you would entertain me with that. Sure. Um, earlier you said, I don't know if it was on this show, you said if the president doesn't make that speech, this doesn't happen. Yep. I totally disagree with that. So Why? there were Molotov cocktails, pipe bombs, different things stored. That was a pre-planned event. I'm not going to say that there wasn't some Trump supporters in the Capitol, but isn't it plausible that Antifa could have been acting like Trump supporters? I mean, absolutely, Charlie. Actions, a- absolutely. The actions. A- a- but hold but, on. But, the actions. But Charlie, Charlie, they were the in. Same thing we witnessed in the summertime. Did you see that clown in Nancy Pelosi's office? Of course. Without, without a mask on, typical Trump supporter. But who was that? Right, who we're was about that? to find out. And I guarantee you, there was some people that yeah, got involved in that crowd. No question, Charlie. And tell people but, that you know who they were. Well, you don't know who put they Put it this were. way. I know this. We have reporters on the ground. They were Trump supporters there. We have six reporters in the building. Now, most of these people were Trump supporters. For them to breach security, walk in there, put up Trump flags in front of the Capitol have this guy. We're going to find out who that guy is. We're going to find out who is hanging off the rafters. We're going to find out, sadly, a Capitol Police officer shot a Trump supporter in the neck after they were overrun. But if the president doesn't tell people over and over again that we were robbed, they stole it, marched down there and, and, and protest, it doesn't happen. The president should not be having an anti- Uh, I guess, electoral college rally and should not be urging his vice president to do something he has no power to do, and that is nullify an election. 
If you don't believe that Joe Biden got 81 million votes, go ahead, prove it. If not, you are disenfranchising the voter by saying, okay, Hillary Clinton, you didn't get as many electoral votes, but you know what? There's more people out there in the Capitol, so storm the Capitol. The vice president's Joe Biden. Joe Biden, would you do me a favor and flip it to Hillary Clinton? The Russians gave it to him anyway. You'd go crazy. But that's what the president's asking everybody to do. He's asking everybody just to see, even despite the fact that his legal team has proven nothing, that the cases aren't strong enough for, for Trump judges to accept, that he wants everyone to overturn an election. He is the single reason why those two Georgia Senate seats are not Republican. The single reason. And that's his legacy would have been almost getting the House back, stunning the world, almost holding on to the Senate, stunning all logic, and getting 75 million votes despite the impeachment, the Mueller investigation, and a once-in-two-generation pandemic, which, by the way, he got. And he was unable to use his greatest asset, the ability to campaign and barnstorm, until the end. Instead of talking about almost, and I'll see you in four, now it's, I am, see you later, I can't stick around two more weeks. There are so many people that are threatening to resign right now. When you have your national security advisor siding with your vice president, please stop telling me that Donald Trump is handling this well. Here's Senator Pat Toomey, cut 16. We witnessed today the damage that can result when men in power and responsibility refuse to acknowledge the truth. We saw bloodshed because the demagogue chose to spread falsehoods and sow distrust of his own fellow Americans. Let's not abet such deception. Let's reject this motion. So, Senator Toomey was all in with the president, even after he retired. He said, listen, the president's done a lot of really good things. But when you see this, when you see these demonstrations taking place, when you see the ridiculous tweets at the vice president, you better have the guts to stand up and say he didn't have the courage to stand up to the process. When you know in the Constitution it's not allowed, I'm going to have Jonathan Turley on in four minutes. He is not a Trump detractor. He stood up for him on impeachment. He took all that fire on the Ukraine. He told these people they were wrong. He's a Democrat, yeah. But he said, you who know Mike Pence had no shot. When you blame Mike Pence for what's going on, you're not in touch with reality. And when you threaten every Republican that doesn't agree with you, with exile, whether you're a member of the family or Donald Trump himself, that to me is a bridge too far. He's, they're not the Dixie Chicks. They just agree, disagree with the facts that all these seven states were illegally won by Joe Biden. is three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The whole number of electors appointed to vote for president of the United States is 538. Within that whole number, a majority is 270. The votes for president of the United States are as follows. 
Joseph R. Biden, Jr. of the state of Delaware has received 306 votes. Donald J. Trump of the state of Florida has received 232 votes. And Mike Pence weathered the storm literally, uh, was whisked away in the afternoon, back in the middle of the night. Not many uh, people objected. It was a lot shorter than it was originally supposed to be. It would probably still be going on right now if there wasn't a breach of security and that ugly incident uh, that lasted for hours. Joining us now is Jonathan Turley, law professor, George Washington University, Fox News contributor. So, Jonathan, I, I'm, I'm proud of the lawmakers for coming back and understood the, the need to show that they can be delayed but not denied. Yeah, you know what's fascinating is that with all of the terrible images from yesterday, we shouldn't ignore the countervailing images, the redeeming moments. You know, some of them occurred before the riot. You know, I thought one of the highest points uh, for Congress uh, occurred when Vice President Pence stood up uh, and said that he would follow the Constitution. He would not. Uh, send the electoral votes back to the states. It's authority he does not have. That took courage. But then, you know, you had Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell giving what may be the best speech of his career, uh, where you have this guy who's known for brass-knuckle politics calling on his colleagues to put politics aside. This was before the riots saying, it's time. It's time for us to come together. It was an extraordinarily good speech. And so we, we have to remember that we had those moments yesterday. But then the moment that you pointed out, Brian, should also not be dismissed. When Congress came back in, 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 yeah. in the House floor, which was still showed the damage of the rioting, and they came together, um, that says something about us. You know, we can't control stupid people. We can't control protests that get out of hand. You know, those things happen. But what we can't control is our own actions. And I thought that they did the right thing. No doubt about it. And, and the vice president doing the right thing. He has gone with the president every step of the way, every controversial tweet or controversial policy. He was able to rationalize it, implement it, and translate it. And I think right now the president's in a very small circle right now. And it, the small circle is Stephen Miller. The small circle is uh, Mark Meadows and, I believe, McAtee, John McAtee. So we'll see how this goes because the president's got to emerge and try to make these two weeks work. He says that he is not going to stand in the way. He's going to assure a smooth transition of power. How important would it be to show up at inauguration, do you think? Well, I think it would be very important. You know, I'm not too sure that his legacy will recover from this. The speech that he gave uh, was pretty insightful. You know, he, it was timed, and just as the proceedings were beginning in Congress, he encouraged people to effectively march on Congress. Now, that doesn't mean that he was encouraging insurrection. I don't, you know, all this talk about insurrection, it just it goes again to this tendency of everyone to weaponize the tragedies of our country. I mean, it, 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 the vast majority of people that were marching on Congress were doing what people have been doing for the last four years on the left and the right of marching on their state capitals, of opposing the actions of their politicians. And what you had it very clearly is a group of instigators. And on the left, you have Antifa. On the right, you have Proud Boys. And they use these moments. What is astonishing to me is someone who has worked in that building for decades. 
is the ease with which they gained entry. I mean, the, the, the Capitol Police did a valiant effort to hold them back, but they seemed undermanned and unprepared, even though everyone knew this march was going to occur. And I saw the mayor came out Monday and said, we're going to have National Guard there. This could be a big demonstration. I said, all right, that's good. What's wrong with that? Because I thought the whole pro- the problem with the Trump, when the Trumps came, when Trump people come to Washington, they're usually confronted, uh, whether they're leaving R- the RNC convention at the White House or they have a they have a uh, a march on a Sunday. They're usually confronted by Antifa and Black Lives Matters and those groups. That's when they usually you see the violence. They almost never instigate. Hence, what happened on Election Day? Everyone's getting prepared for violence. They boarded up their buildings, but Joe Biden wins, and they don't have to worry about anything being wrecked. Listen to what Kevin McCarthy said he saw, and and the video backs it up. Cut six. It was more than three dozen. Um, I watched it because of where my office sits, right by the chambers. They all, they first overtook on the west side, where the where the president gets sworn in. Then they overtook on the east side, where they had barriers, and then they rushed up the sto- uh, up the stairs. And you talk about people in these crowds that had helmets and other, they had ropes. They started scaling the building. People came here to do some damage. Who are these people? Because I've been, I've seen about twenty Trump rallies. I've never seen a guy or a woman with a helmet and ropes. Well, when I saw it's it's interesting because some of these were clearly agitators. We're going to find out who they were. You know, this this the the backpacks, the helmets, are the signatures of Antifa and Proud Boys. These small groups of, of people that really use these moments. The vast majority of those folks that were, were marching on, on Congress are not insurrectionists, or I, I, as, as, as CNN had said and others have said. You know, they weren't there for insurrection. They were there because they were very upset. They wanted to protest. Most of them, when they were told to back off, backed off. In fact, when the police created a line and backed off, hundreds and thousands of people backed off. And, you know, so I think we need to just sort of take, you know, a breath and deal with the realities here. We have a very small percentage of determined people. Some of those folks in the Capitol were dressed as Vikings and, you know, Marvel, uh, you know, uh, you know, comic feet, uh, figures. You know, they seem to be more prepared for Instagram than insurrection. Uh, you know, when those people walking around on the floor of Congress, they seemed as surprised as the police that they were able to actually get inside. And so we, we need to look at this, but we need to look at it without, you know, this hyperbolic language. We had a member of Congress uh, yesterday um, blame the people that re- that brought the challenge, the electoral votes, for this rioting. The Ted Cruz really crew. The- right. That's, that's really unfair. You know, they were using the Electoral Count Act. You and I talked before this happened. I opposed the challenge. I didn't think there was a basis for it. It's the same challenge the Democrats have made. I didn't think they had a basis for it back in 2004. But it's a challenge made under federal law. It's not an invitation for rioting. And so it, 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 it is bothersome to see people trying to weaponize this tragedy. So Facebook banned the president for 24 hours, uh, for 12 hours, on Twitter for, Twitter for 24 hours, and uh, Facebook for 12 uh, are you surprised about the this? The, uh, you know, two years ago, even I, I don't think eight months ago, they weren't doing this at all. Where's social right. media going? 
Because they just banned Lynn Wood. Yeah, Twitter it, just banned Lynn Wood, the lawyer, for life. Yeah. Yeah, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm sort of a fervent First Amendment advocate. And so I oppose these types of actions. I think that the solution for bad speech is good speech. Uh, but what is worrying to me is that the Democratic Party has really become a party of censorship, which is astonishing. I come from a deeply liberal Democratic family in Chicago, a political family in Chicago. And the Democratic Party was always an advocate for free speech. It's now done an entire 180. It's become the party that is calling for censorship and speech limits. And, you know, you had Senate hearings where you had social media CEOs admit that they made a mistake on the Hunter Biden issue, admit that it shouldn't have happened. The Democratic senators responded by demanding assurances that they will continue to censor those types of stories. Yeah, I mean, so funny that you, you're talking about these social media groups. You just assume they're Democrats. They, I mean, they, they lean left. They support the left. They get hired by uh, this. It looks like they're going to be hired by the, the Biden administration. The Facebook executive was just hired. So I got to ask you about two constitutional things. Uh, number one, the 25th Amendment, uh, and the other one is impeachment. Elon Omar, who I always look to for advice and, uh, and moral leadership, she is drawing up, I imagine with a crayon, uh, impeachment articles. And uh, the 25th Amendment, they say the vice president was approached with in, uh, and asked to use the 25th Amendment to get rid of the president two weeks early. First on the 25th Amendment. Well, first on the 25th Amendment, this would be a very dangerous precedent. We've always debated the use of the 25th Amendment for what are called mental disabilities. But the problem is that that can open the floodgates. You know, politicians often say that they're opponents are insane for their positions and that they must be mentally unstable. If you want to open up that uh, Pandora's box, you have to be prepared for what's coming. You know, the we've seen with impeachment that members have called for the called for the removal of President Trump for criticizing the NFL kneelers. You know, you can imagine <laughs> if they could demand the removal of a president for acting in an unstable way. This is about constitutional flaws, not character flaws. You know, I didn't like the president's speech. I actually criticized his speech on Twitter while it was happening. Um, it was, in my view, reckless. That's not a 25th Amendment problem. You know, and so people need to really think about this. The second thing you have to keep in mind is that if the 25th Amendment is triggered, what happens is that you have a four-day period where Pence – if he could get a majority of the cabinet, which is highly unlikely, or even him, it would be unlikely even for Pence to sign off. But if that did occur, you'd have four days in which uh, the president could then contest that determination. That's my dog in the background trying to participate in this interview. I've asked you not I, to bring your dog to the interview, and you just don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Well, you, know, you just. Well, you know what? She's a golden doodle. They're extremely egotistical. Right, and they don't share. Um, that's right. So um, you have a four-day period where the president can object. So the Pence and the cabinet would then have to issue a second declaration to Congress. Congress would then have 21 days to vote. You need a two-thirds vote in both houses. Unlike impeachment, you need both houses. So that's not going to happen. Of course not. Now, what they could do is if they got that second declaration, they could run the clock out. It would become moot on the on the 20th. But they would create very dangerous precedent. 
Yeah. Uh, so this is just people sounding off. Uh, and, you know, the, uh, to tell you the truth, when I saw the president three weeks ago, he was so angry. And when I watch him on stage, he's very angry. I've never seen him this angry. So he honestly yeah. believes this thing was stolen from him, but it's gone over the top now. And he's got two weeks to straighten it out. But I think his movement was extremely hurt yesterday, and the party is reeling. Uh, fascinating time, Jonathan. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Brian. You got it. Uh, back in a moment. I'll take your calls. one 408 7669 A radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. show that's getting you talking you're with brian kilmeade that's one of the hidden benefits of what's happened is that trumpism as a movement as an insurgency is much weaker today than it was 24 hours ago in a sense power is already passing from donald trump to his successor joe biden but also to those around him whether the 25th amendment or some other mechanism can be used to prevent him from having control over nuclear weapons instruments of government and these final 13 days, I don't know. But I do know that, that his movement that threatens our country, not just this week, next week, but for the next rest of my lifetime, is weaker because of the, the insurgent, the reckless, violent insurgency that, that, that happened. And that is uh, David Ignatius, good friend of the show, foreign policy expert, great contacts, not a fan of the president, but does point out something that I think is true. Uh, the Trump brand, even after he lost, was so much stronger than it is today. He's really hurt it over the last five weeks. So I'm alerted to this story in Tulsa World, uh, and that's uh, that's a publication. Senator James Inhofe, uh, he's a big supporter of the president. He said he talked to Mike Pence yesterday, and he said, I've known Mike Pence forever. I've never seen Pence as angry as he was today, meaning yesterday. Quote, I had a long conversation with him. He said, after all the things I've done for Trump, and one of the things he did, he said, as President Trump, he says yeah, he was so angry, uh, he was blind with rage at Mike Pence for not stopping the confirmation of the Electoral College. And then he tweeted out that he's got to show some courage. And on the stage yesterday, he said, Mike Pence better do the right thing. So... Uh, he totally overstepped. The president's just got to come out and qualify it. There's nothing that will substitute for that. Sarah, listening online in Tennessee. Hey, Sarah. Hi. Good morning, Mr. Kilmeade. I wanted to make a few comments. Um, Donald Trump, as president of the free world, is there to set an example for people and for common decency in this world. And he's not there for his own personal selfish reasons. In the deepest part of your heart as a human being, you're supposed to reach in and, may I say and preface this, when you have information that you felt like you were cheated and you have information, we could all say we have information, but my information was stolen. So therefore, I have no proof that I could tell you what really happened. You cannot, in the deepest part of your heart, you have to rise above the wickedness of this world and realize 
that you are a bigger human being. And it's not about what this world's about. It's about who you are inside. And if you can't rise above it, it shows your true character. It shows who you really are. And it shows that God has created everyone equally, but some people don't use that equalness. They use it above other people, and they use it to their advantage. Now, I will tell you this. Donald Trump is not an angel. He's cheated people in his life. He's also, uh, as a human being, he's mistreated other people. And God showed Donald Trump in the end what he saw. And Donald Trump— I don't know, Sarah, I can't tell you. uh, Let's not speak for God. All I could tell you is uh, Donald Trump has not shined over the last six weeks. Um, and when Jim Inhofe and Mike Pence have problems with the way he behaves and Tom Cotton can't go along with it and Lindsey Graham came out and said what he said, I tried to make it better and I'm out. Listen to this. Cut 17. Trump and I, we've had a hell of a journey. I hate it then this way. Oh, my God, I hate it. From my point of view, he's been a consequential president. But today, first thing you'll see, all I can say is uh, count me out. Enough is enough. Jerry, listening in Jacksonville, Florida, OKV. Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> what a joke. Now enough is enough. I've been saying this for four years. We've been screaming this for four years. Never Trumpers have been screaming this for four years. Now? Now it's a bridge too far? You, you don't think it is? Down our capital? Listen. If they were black... Brian, they would have been shot from the rooftop of that Capitol. Oh, stop. There's no race involved in this. This woman was white. They got shot in the neck. Please don't bring... We we really need to bring controversial to an insurgency into Capitol Hill? Please don't bring... I mean, come on. There's enough race involved in so much. This is not racial-oriented. Wow. BrianKillmeadShow.com. Get it anytime, anywhere. You had Senate hearings where you had social media CEOs admit that they made a mistake on the Hunter Biden issue, admit that it shouldn't have happened. The Democratic senators responded by demanding assurances that they will continue to censor those types of stories. Yeah, I mean, so funny that you, you're talking about the social media groups. You just assume they're Democrats. They, I mean, they, they lean left. They support the left. They get hired by uh, this. It looks like they're going to be hired by the, the Biden administration. The Facebook executive was just hired. So I got to ask you about two constitutional things. Uh, number one, the 25th Amendment, uh, and the other one is impeachment. Elon Omar, who I always look to for advice and, uh, and moral leadership, she is drawing up, I imagine with a crayon, uh, impeachment articles. And uh, the 25th Amendment, they say the vice president was approached with in, uh, and asked to use the 25th Amendment to get rid of the president two weeks early. First on the 25th Amendment. Well, first on the 25th Amendment, this would be a very dangerous precedent. We've always debated the use of the 25th Amendment for what are called mental disabilities. But the problem is that that can open the floodgates. You know, politicians often say that they're opponents are insane for their positions and that they must be mentally unstable. If you want to open up that uh, Pandora's box, you have to be prepared for what's coming. You know, the we've seen with impeachment that members have called for the called for the removal of President Trump for criticizing the NFL kneelers 
You know, you can imagine <laughs> if they could demand the removal of a president for acting in an unstable way. This is about constitutional flaws, not character flaws. You know, I didn't like the president's speech. I actually criticized his speech on Twitter while it was happening. Um, it was, in my view, reckless. That's not the 25th Amendment problem. You know, and so people need to really think about this. The second thing you have to keep in mind is that if the 25th Amendment is triggered, what happens is that you have a four-day period where Pence, if he could get a majority of the cabinet, which is highly unlikely, or even it would be unlikely even for Pence to sign off. But if that did occur, you'd have four days in which uh, the president could then contest that determination. That's my dog in the background trying to participate in this interview. I've asked you not I, to bring your dog to the interview, and you just don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> How dare well, you? you. Know, she just, well, you know what? She's a golden doodle. They're extremely egotistical. Right, and they don't share. Um, that's right. So um, you have a four-day period where the president can object. So the Pence and the cabinet would then have to issue a second declaration to Congress. Congress would then have 21 days to vote. You need a two-thirds vote in both houses. Unlike impeachment, you need both houses. So that's <laughs> not going to happen. Of course not. Now, what they could do is if they got that second declaration, they could run the clock out. It would become moot on the, on the 20th. But they would create very dangerous precedent. Yeah. So this is just people sounding off. Uh, and, you know, the, uh, to tell you the truth, when I saw the president three weeks ago, he was so angry. And when I watch him on stage, he's very angry. I've never seen him this angry. So he honestly yeah. believes this thing was stolen from him. But it's gone over the top now. And he's got two weeks to straighten it out. But I think his movement was extremely hurt yesterday. And the party is reeling. Uh, fascinating time, Jonathan. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Brian. You got it. Uh, back in a moment. I'll take your calls. one 408 7669 A radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. 
In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. That's one of the hidden benefits of what's happened is that Trumpism as a movement, as an insurgency, is much weaker today than it was 24 hours ago. In a sense, power is already passing from Donald Trump to his successor, Joe Biden, but also to those around him. Whether the 25th Amendment or some other mechanism can be used to prevent him from having control over nuclear weapons, instruments of government in these final 13 days, I don't know. But I do know that that his movement that threatens our country, not just this week, next week, but for the next rest of my lifetime, is weaker because of the, the insurgent, the reckless, violent insurgency that, that, that happened. And that is uh, David Ignatius, good friend of the show, foreign policy expert, great contacts, not a fan of the president, but does point out something that I think is true. Uh, the Trump brand, even after he lost, was so much stronger than it is today. He's really hurt it over the last five weeks. So I'm alerted to this story in Tulsa World, uh, and that's uh, that's a publication. Senator James Inhofe, uh, he's a big supporter of the president. He said he talked to Mike Pence yesterday, and he said, I've known Mike Pence forever. I've never seen Pence as angry as he was today, meaning yesterday. Quote, I had a long conversation with him. He said, after all the things I've done for Trump, and one of the things he did, he said, as President Trump, he says yeah, he was so angry, uh, he was blind with rage at Mike Pence for not stopping the confirmation of the Electoral College. And then he tweeted out that he's got to show some courage. And on the stage yesterday, he said, Mike Pence better do the right thing. So... Uh, he totally overstepped. The president's just got to come out and qualify it. There's nothing that will substitute for that. Sarah, listening online in Tennessee. Hey, Sarah. Hi. Good morning, Mr. Kilmeade. I wanted to make a few comments. Um, Donald Trump, as president of the free world, is there to set an example for people and for common decency in this world. And he's not there for his own personal selfish reasons. In the deepest part of your heart as a human being, you're supposed to reach in and, may I say and preface this, when you have information that you felt like you were cheated and you have information, we could all say we have information, but my information was stolen. So therefore, I have no proof that I could tell you what really happened. You cannot, in the deepest part of your heart, you have to rise above the wickedness of this world and realize that you are a bigger human being. And it's not about what this world's about. It's about who you are inside. And if you can't rise above it, it shows your true character. It shows who you really are. And it shows that God has created everyone equally, but some people don't use that equalness. They use it above other people, and they use it to their advantage. Now, I will tell you this. Donald Trump... He's not an angel. He's cheated people in his life. He's also, uh, as a human being, he's mistreated other people. 
and God showed Donald Trump in the end what he saw. And Donald Trump— no, I don't, You know, Sarah, I can't tell you—let's uh, not speak for God. All I can tell you is uh, Donald Trump has not shined over the last six weeks. Um, and when Jim Inhofe and Mike Pence have problems with the way he behaves and Tom Cotton can't go along with it and Lindsey Graham came out and said what he said, I tried to make it better, and I'm out. Listen to this. Cut 17. Trump and I, we've had a hell of a journey. I hate it then this way. Oh, my God, I hate it. From my point of view, he's been a consequential president. But today, first thing you'll see, all I can say is uh, count me out. Enough is enough. Jerry, listening in Jacksonville, Florida, OKV. Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> what a joke. Now enough is enough. I've been saying this for four years. We've been screaming this for four years. Never Trumpers have been screaming this for four years. Now? Now it's a bridge too far? You, you don't think it is? Down our capital? Listen. If they were black... Brian, they would have been shot from the rooftop of that Capitol. Oh, stop. There's no race involved in this. This woman was white that got shot in the neck. Please don't bring... We we really need to bring controversial to an insurgency into Capitol Hill? Please don't bring... I mean, come on. There's enough race involved in so much. This is not racial-oriented. Wow. BrianKillMeadShow.com. Get it anytime, anywhere. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. From New York, heard around the country, heard around the world, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Chris Wiles will be joining us in a matter of moments. Bottom of the hour, Senator Tom Cotton. Senator Tom Cotton has been as loyal to the president as anybody, but he also last night uh, tweeted out that the president really has to concede the election and, uh, and commit to a peaceful transfer of power. Short time after, he got that commitment uh, from the president. Not directly, but there's no doubt about it, the president does respect him. Tom Cotton was not going over with the Ted Cruz move to challenge three separate states yesterday before literally all hell broke loose. Uh, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We were told that we couldn't win this election. But tonight, we prove that with hope, anything is possible. It is with humility that I thank the people of Georgia for electing me to serve you in the United States Senate. Uh, There you go. Uh, Unbelievably, the president's behavior since losing has led to the Democrats winning, winning two seats in Georgia, winning the Senate. Chuck Schumer, now majority leader, the arch nemesis of the president of the United States and fellow New Yorker. Unbelievable. Number two. The votes for president of the United States are as follows. Joseph R. Biden, Jr. of the state of Delaware has received 306 votes. Donald J. Trump of the state of Florida has received 232 votes. The president, uh, there you go. The vice president uh, making it official. Lawmakers come back and gavel in at 4 o'clock in the morning and make Joe Biden the president-elect officially. Uh, Trump and the vice president are not speaking. And now Trump does commit to transitioning from power, though does not admit he lost. 
Number one. Chaos at the Capitol, uh, a generational event, a terrible standard in American history. Four are killed as angry protesters decide to become rioters, most of them pro-Trumpers. The president's speech lit the fire. Uh, Rudy Giuliani did not help. The fallout for the president might be something he cannot overcome. And putting in perspective, uh, Chris Wallace was all part of the coverage yesterday. Uh, Chris, as much as you've experienced, you probably never thought you'd see that. Nope, and I sure hope I never see it again. Good morning, Brian. You know, I was I was thinking back when I first came to Washington in 1978, one of my first jobs for NBC News was to cover the Senate. And they had a, a thing then, I don't know if they still have it, called dugout chatter with a Senate majority leader, then a Democrat from West Virginia named Robert Byrd, would call all the beat reporters onto the Senate floor at the beginning of, the, of each day to talk about what was going to happen in the session that day, what the schedule was. And I never could pay attention because I was always so overwhelmed being on the floor of the Senate and looking and thinking that's the that's the, the desk where John F. Kennedy sat and that's the desk where Henry Clay sat and, and, and you know, on and on uh, to be right there and to watch the scenes yesterday of these thugs, these anarchists, these terrorists, uh, free reign of the Capitol, sitting in the seat of the presiding officer with a where Vice President Pence had sat during the Senate debate just an hour before it was, you know, I don't want to overstate, but it but it was like a, a desecration of a of a place of religion. Uh, if you believe in democracy in this country, this is the citadel of democracy, the U.S. Senate. And to see these thugs running around there. It was just horrifying. I never saw it before. I hope I never see it again. Yeah, here's what it sounded like if you were in the building. Cut one. Have you ever heard that announcement? No, of course not. We've never seen anything like this before. I, you know, I, I know I'm old. I wasn't around in 1814 when the British burned the Capitol, and that's the last time that the U.S. Capitol was under direct assault. I mean, you had duly elected members of Congress, senators, congressmen, uh, fleeing for their lives before a mob, and they were involved in exercising uh, Article Two of the Constitution to certify the vote for president of the United States, and a mob forced them to run for their lives. Uh, you know, to me, I guess the image that I'm always going to remember from that, and there's so many from yesterday, but the one I'm going to remember is that shot from inside the House. The, the, the Capitol Police, plainclothes Capitol Police, had put some, some tables and, and, and bookcases and stuff up against the door, and on both sides of the door, with their guns drawn, trying to protect members of the House who were still there in the chamber from a mob that was trying to break in. Uh, you know, if you saw it in in some, I don't know, distant country, where people talk banana republics, third world countries, you'd sit there and be horrified. To have it happen in Washington, D.C., in the greatest country on earth, I mean, it, it, it still makes my blood boil thinking about it. I know. So... You know, the president of the United States, it's not an act. He actually believes this election was robbed from him. 
<laughs> and uh, 45,000 votes difference in three separate states that he felt he won definitely gets under your skin. You know, Hillary Clinton's still not over it. But the way he has acted since has overwhelmed, in my humble opinion, everything he accomplished and I think had everything to do with those two losses in Georgia. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I think he's acted like a damn fool since November 3rd. And, and you know, somebody wins, somebody loses. And you talk about Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton conceded the next day. Is she angry about it? Does she lash out? Do I think that's attractive? No. But, uh, but you know, you can't compare that to, to, to Donald Trump. Look, this was an extremely incendiary situation. This was like dry tinder. Uh, and, and Donald Trump went onto the mall in front of a crowd of tens of thousands of people yesterday, and he put a, a, a flame to the tinder. Uh, you know, you, you look at what he said. He said, we're never going to concede. We're not going to accept this. We're going to march down to the Capitol. Of course, he didn't march to the Capitol. He took his limousine back to the White House, uh, and, and they went and they, and they mobbed the Capitol. And let's be honest. It's too easy just to blame this all on Donald Trump. I think we have to think about all the politicians who played into this. We have to think about the the media that played into this and kept propagating these false thoughts. Uh, and, and, you know, this these claims, I'm not saying you can't bring claims and you have to just simply accept what a state says, but they were all adjudicated. There were 50 cases. They were adjudicated by, by Trump judges. They were adjudicated in the Supreme Court. They wouldn't even hear the cases. Well, that, so that was the, the, the main complaint for Trump supporters is they wouldn't hear it. But uh, I know, but they, the reason they couldn't wouldn't hear it is because there was no case. Right. Uh, in some cases, or there wasn't enough time. I, but I, but I'm going to take it. I'm going to agree with you. Any, let, let, well, let me just say anybody who propagated those thoughts, especially after December 14th, when they were certified under the Constitution, plays a role in what happened yesterday. And people ought to think about it. I, I'm going to take another step back. I'll, 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 I'll accept that. But I'm going to take a further step back. And I'm going to say to you that when you rip up the State of the Union, when you spend two years saying you, that your guy is not really elected, it was the Russians that flipped votes and put him in there. His colluding with Vladimir Putin that happened. When you have an impeachment that took place while a pandemic is taking root. When this type of thing happens nonstop, he wins, you lose, he wins, you lose. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And when you see this stuff take place, people get enraged. And that's why you see smoke bombs in the White House that was almost breached in a riot. You see a church, a historic church, St. John's Church, almost burned to the ground. So, And then when you see protests get confronted by Black Lives Matters or their RNC convention empties out, and next thing you know, rioters are in their face threatening people without legs like Brian Mast. People see that, and that plays into all of this. I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Not everything, but I agree with a lot of it. There's certainly blame to go around on both sides. Let's also put into that the, uh, the, the, you know, our, uh, the people who saw uh, the, that police officer in Minneapolis for eight minutes and 36 seconds yep. squeeze the life out of, uh, 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 of George Floyd uh, and reacted to that. So, you know, it, it's on both sides. But having said all that, and and I, I, there's plenty of and then add in the I, pandemic. I, 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 one of the things you talk about, Nancy Pelosi ripping up the State of the Union. When you think back on it, really just awful. But having said that, that is all of a different kind 
from what we saw yesterday. True. What we saw yesterday was the duly elected members of the House and the Senate forced to run for their lives while they were trying to fulfill their constitutional duties while a mob took over the the Capitol for the first time since the, the War of 1812. Uh, you know, let's. I, I understand that there's. I, you're, you're right that there's a lot of fault on both sides, and the repair is to come from both sides. But yesterday was different. True. Uh, part of what, and, and I think Rudy Giuliani is such good friends with the president. You have a responsibility to not lead him down a rose-covered co- path that he has. This he's been robbed again. And listen to this. Cut fourteen. Over the next 10 days, we get to see the machines that are crooked, the ballots that are fraudulent, and if we're wrong, we will be made fools of. But if we're right, a lot of them will go to jail. So let's have trial by combat. Number one, what does that even mean? But I thought that the minute I heard that, I said, did he write that down? What is he talking about? But look what I had, happened. I had not heard that trial by combat. You know, a lot of people, I mean, he was America's mayor. A lot of people have a lot of respect for Rudy Giuliani, and they deserved it for how he saw us through 9-11. I, you know, I think that, I think he's become an embarrassment. And, and you know, you, you think of all the people uh, who have egged this president on. Look, he's responsible. He's a big boy. He's the president of the United States. He's responsible for his actions. And today, to see these people like Mick Mulvaney, uh, former chief of staff, and Matt Pottinger, with only 13 days to go resigning, because they just can't be part of this anymore. Um, You know, uh, General Dunford, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs, talking about the responsibility of the president. Uh, Jim Mattis, talking about a man without a country. I know there are some of your listeners who are going to say, oh, they're rhinos, oh, they're – no. These are distinguished Americans who've been around long before Donald Trump was president, understand the country is going to go on long after Donald Trump leaves the scene in 13 days, and understand there's something much bigger at stake than, than a man's fact that hurt that he got, that he got defeated. And, you know, it's awkward for me for WABC is a great affiliate and Rudy's got a show on here and he's been a great guest of ours. He's always candid. He's available, providing insight. But I just can't agree with what he did in the Ukraine, uh, the way he handled it, the people he brought into the president's life who ends up being as corrupt as the day is long. And then leading the charge and giving the president false hope. Uh, I know someone extremely close to the president who just went up to Rudy Giuliani and said, just give me 200 dead people. And I will make a case that there's 20,000 because if you can get that in three weeks, it's probably much more. I'll get it back to you. Never gets back to him. So that's just it. If you walk up to the president and you, the president believes in you and says, listen, I got 50,000 people who were told to turn around because they, they already voted. And I got these dead people from out of state voting who were born in 1812. The president believes it. And this guy gets paid $20,000 a week to do it on, on people's well, gotta, $20 gonna, donations. I'm going to ask you a question, Brian. I mean, we're friends. We yep. respect each other. We like each other. You know, we we have fought about Donald Trump and some of his things over these years, these four years. Does does this make you reassess this president? No, uh, this is it. I and when he does things, and if you Google my name, you can see it. I say it. 
But I can look past the unorthodox things. I don't overreact like Wolf Blitzer and Jake Tapper and everybody in these other channels. But I cannot, I cannot condone how he acted from November 4th till today. The other stuff I go, I don't agree with. Okay, I'll say it. George Bush didn't come up with an inside job on 9-11. He didn't make up stories of weapons of mass destruction to get to Iraq. Uh, Mitt Romney is not an idiot. I, I'm not going to go with that. But I will say I cannot agree with the way he's acted since losing the election. And that's well, it. It doesn't mean he no, didn't I, try you, to straight been, it. And you've been yeah. really straight about it, and I, and I appreciate that. Uh, and I respect it. Um, we, you know, I mean, we got different jobs. I'm a reporter. You're, you're everything. Uh, <laughs> you're everything. I don't, I don't know how to describe you. Yeah. But you know, we got to call balls and strikes in the end. You got to, you got to say this is over the line. This is over the plate. This is, uh, you know, way absolutely low and outside. And we got, we got to, we got to do it. And honestly, and I know I get a lot of mean emails. You probably get some less. I'm sure you're getting some right now. Uh, you know, what we really owe the audience is our best assessment of the truth. And and, and incidentally, let me agree with you. Some of the people on some other of the cable networks who were talking about all kinds of stuff, I call that performative outrage. You know, I'm going to I'm going to make myself look good by saying something outrageous and it gets clickbait. You know, we've got to we've got to stay in our lane and I'm going to call balls and strikes. I'm not going to call for somebody's head, and I'm also not going to kowtow to him either. And I think that's that's what we owe the audience in the end. And people see that with you shortly because Joe Biden's taking over in three weeks, two weeks, excuse me. Uh, and, yes. and, they'll and, be, and you know what? I'm going to call balls and strikes with him just as I did with this president. Absolutely. And, and hopefully plenty of both. And my last thing, and I'm up against a hard break, my last thing is my hope is that people start doing deals now and having the courage to do them instead of saying, I win, you lose. Let's just go in it like sports. We try to get the best deal possible uh, for the, the, the issues that mean the most. Chris Wallace, thanks so much. If, let me just say, if that happens, then with, yesterday will have been worth it. Thank you. I hear you. Thanks so much. Uh, Back in a moment with your calls. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. so busy he'll make your head spin it's brian kilmeade welcome back and we got a couple of minutes here i went a little long jessica listening on the app in tennessee hey jessica hey brian good to speak to you i'm a big fan um just just wanted to say that the guy that called earlier and said you know that you don't know that the guy sitting in pelosi's chair was a um, trump supporter i'm from the south there's no doubt in my mind that the people that were in there were Trump supporters and not Antifa. Number one, because they didn't try to set the Capitol on fire. And to me, that's what Antifa does. They riot and they loot. But they, and did, they, have, but they did have some pipe bombs. and They did find Molotov cocktails. They did wear helmets and they did have rope. But that could be other groups. 
but Mr. and Mrs. Johnson from Wisconsin who loves the president have never been a problem. In fact, they've been victims. They show up with their families to support Trump, to be at a rally. A lot of times they end up getting beat up or threatened. This is the first time, right? Where were the riots on November 4th? They didn't have them because Trump people don't riot. This time they snapped, many of them. And there's no doubt there was probably some infiltration there. But so much went wrong leading there. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The day started out, you know, tremendous. We had a huge crowd, hundreds of thousands of people showing up at the Ellipse where the president came and spoke to We the People. Unfortunately, the day that was so great this morning has been overshadowed by what took place at the Capitol this afternoon. And, you know, a few bad actors have completely spoiled it, not just for the people that were there and the president and all the other dignified people um, that were on our stage, but... That is Kylie uh, Jane Kremer. She's one of the organizers in the March to Save America, which was the March to Save America. That happened right after the president spoke. They all marched down, not the president, but they marched down to the Capitol. And they end up breaching the walls going in. And we saw what happened. Four people end up dead. One person shot in the neck. Uh, she seems to have, uh, if this is the same person, a big supporter of the president's to the point where she's actually a member of QAnon, according to her social media pages. Not that that makes it right, but she had been jumping over uh, this this barrier. Cops told her not to. She did anyway, and she got shot. That's how violent things got. Joining us now, a man that does not need explanation about what happened. He lived it. Uh, I imagine to a degree was living his infantry days. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, welcome back. Hey, Brian, it's good to be on with you. Thanks for having me. So do you believe it was a few bad actors from what you know? I know you haven't done a thorough investigation. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like a more than a few bad actors. Yeah, so, so Brian, I just have to go based on what I've seen on television. You know, I, I never saw one of the protesters in person. I'm not sure any senator did from our vantage point. But obviously there's more than just a few bad actors. If you look at uh, the shots from the television screen, it looked like a few hundred roaming the halls of the Capitol, every one of which was committing a, a federal crime by doing so, some of which committed serious uh, federal crimes, and every one of them should be held accountable and prosecuted to the full extent of the law. So where were you? We started out uh, in the Senate chamber, Brian. Uh, at 1 o'clock, we walked to the House chamber. Um, Senator Cruz uh, objected to the Arizona ballots under the uh, federal law that governs the county of electoral ballots. We returned to the Senate chamber, and speeches began. We were probably four or five speeches in um, when uh, the Secret Service hustled the vice president off the uh, uh, presiding officer's chair and hustled Chuck Grassley, the president uh, pro tem of the Senate up there. And uh, Senator Grassley merely gaveled the Senate in the recess and his security detail hustled him out as well. Uh, and at that point, the Capitol police officers on the scene uh, locked the doors to the Senate and the Senate gallery uh, as a way to protect the, uh, the senators and the staff and the support personnel around the Senate chamber. Um, you know, really the, the first I knew that uh, there was anything happening outside was I, I think from Mitt Romney, who may have heard it on social media from his staff, that uh, Cannon uh, on the House side of the Capitol is being evacuated. Um, I had uh, a staffer of mine bring over a, a Leatherman tool that could be used in a weapon 
as a weapon in extremists, uh, but fortunately it never came to that. And after probably half an hour or so on the Senate floor, the Capitol Police made the decision to remove all the senators uh, from the Senate floor to a secure location on the campus until they could get control of the Capitol again and we could return to conduct our business. So one of the things that I find most astounding about this, and there's so much that hopefully is unprecedented, is uh, the big schism between the vice president and the president. The president evidently had lunch with the with the vice president two days ago, at which time he said, listen, don't don't have, don't OK this electoral college vote. And Mike Pence, according to The New York Times, said, I don't have no choice. He looked into it. He has no choice. And when the president said he was so incensed, he was uh, almost he was so he was seeing red when Mike Pence wrote a letter saying, I'm going to be gaveling in the final results as vice president. I don't have any choice. And then the president tweeted out questioning Mike Pence's courage. James Inhofe in today's uh, Tulsa World paper said, quote, I've known Mike Pence forever. I've never seen Pence as angry as he was today. I had a long conversation with him. He said, after all the things I've done for Trump, where do you stand? <laughs> if, if, if the vice president was angry, he does a very good job uh, of concealing his anger uh, because he seemed uh, calm and dutiful throughout the proceedings. And look, the vice president's letter lays out the legal reasoning of that is the only inevitable conclusion, which is that his job is ministerial. Um, the vice president cannot simply decide which elector votes to count and which not. Uh, if so, then Al Gore could have made himself president um, 20 years ago. Or for that matter, Joe Biden uh, could have made Hillary Clinton president four years ago. Uh, so that's obviously not the case. Mike Pence um, understood the law and the Constitution, and he acted in accordance with them yesterday. So are you surprised? I mean, this friction, they didn't they are not speaking. There was a report that Mark Short, as chief of staff, was not allowed at the White House. Have you tried to reach out to the president? Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously not privy to the conversations between the president and, and the vice president. Um, but uh, all I can say is that uh, Mike Pence followed the law yesterday, as he should have. Wow. Yeah. You, you have a legal background, don't you? <laughs> Regrettably, Brian, thanks for reminding your audience. But I can tell by the way you're answering questions. It's a chapter of my past. Yeah, well, I uh, uh, look, I mean, I, I'm not uh, by, I'm by far the best lawyer in the Senate, and I've been clean for 15 years from being a lawyer. But it's pretty it's pretty clear, and just common sense stands to reason as well. The outgoing vice president cannot possibly uh, be the determinant of who the incoming president will be. The American uh, people have that job. It's not the vice president. It's not the Congress. It's the American people acting through the Electoral College. So I want you to hear what uh, David Ignatius of the Washington Post had to say. That's one of the hidden benefits of what's happened is that Trumpism as a movement, as an insurgency, is much weaker today than it was 24 hours ago. In a sense, power is already passing from Donald Trump to his successor, Joe Biden, but also to those around him. Whether the 25th Amendment or some other mechanism can be used to prevent him from having control over nuclear weapons, instruments of government in these final 13 days, I don't know. But I do know that, that his movement that threatens our country, not just this week, next week, but for the next rest of my lifetime, is weaker because of the, the insurgent, the reckless, violent insurgency that, that, that happened. Do you believe uh, the president's weaker after the way what has happened over the last few well, weeks? Well, Brian, I'll just say this. David Ignatius is the central spokesman for the Washington establishment. Um, and, of course, he wants to see a lot of the um, big policy victories we've had over the last four years reversed. Um, you know, he wants higher taxes. He wants open borders and more migrant workers coming to our country to drive down American wages. Um, he wants more regulation of the private economy in schools. Um, he 
wants uh, a military that is more restrained uh, and a, a foreign policy that's more um, deferential and gives concessions to our adversaries. Um, but nothing that happened yesterday changes the many accomplishments we've seen over the last four years, nor does it change the fact uh, that a sizable number of Americans, you know, 75 million in the last election alone, to say nothing of those who didn't vote, believe in a strong military, and they want lower taxes, and they want uh, a government that protects them uh, from crime in the streets and protects their jobs and their communities from the threat of uncontrolled immigration. None of that is going away, and it's not weak. And, and in fact, the Republican Party today remains in a stronger position than we were the last two times a Republican president left office, 1993 and 2009. You can just look at the numbers in the Congress and the state legislatures and see that that's a simple fact. And and what he's done in four years uh, would have set him up to be the next coming of Grover Cleveland, uh, coming back in 2024 if he wanted. But his dismount has been uh, controversial, to say the least. He actually went after you a couple of days ago because you're not you weren't going to go along with Ted Cruz's, um, you know, uh, pro- protests on three separate states on the electoral total. What was that like? <laughs> no, it, was, it was fine, Brian. Look, I, I, I simply did my job as a senator uh, in accordance with the Constitution, just as the Constitution and federal law doesn't give the vice president some kind of power to determine the next president. It doesn't give Congress the power to reverse the results of the election. Uh, that's what some of these senators were effectively trying to do. They were trying to overturn the results of the election. They were misleading their, their supporters. They were giving them false hope that somehow um, yesterday uh, might have resulted with President Trump staying in office beyond January 20th. Some of them were even sending fundraising emails when insurrectionists were literally storming the Capitol. But it, it can't be the case that 535 politicians in Washington get to negate the results of 160 million Americans voting. That's simply not what uh, the American people, regardless of their political views, expect from their leaders. And uh, that would establish a very unwise precedent. And I suspect a lot of people who believed it this time around would not like it when, if the shoe were on the other foot. Uh, so, for example, if Hillary Clinton went to these legal gymnastics, if there was a protest on Capitol Hill when the Electoral College is being banged, uh, gaveled in, and then a storming of the... If the shoe is on the other foot, it doesn't look good for Republicans, well, is what you're saying. Well, no. So the point, the point that I laid out in, in my statement earlier this week and in an op-ed uh, in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette is it, if Republicans in, in the Congress had taken the step of trying to reject these electors, first, not only would it fail, I mean, obviously Nancy Pelosi's Democratic House would never reject Joe Biden's electors, but second, it would give the Democrats the ground to uh, do the exact same thing in four or eight years the next time a Republican president wins. Remember, the Democrats hate the Electoral College. They want to eliminate it. Um, imagine if, if we had tried to reject all these electors, and in four or eight years, Democrats had the majority in the Congress. They might simply say, we're not going to recognize your electors, not because we believe there are irregularities in the election or anything like that. We just don't like the Electoral College. And our candidate won the popular majority, and that's what we're going to do. If Congress has the power to choose the president, uh, this year, then Congress has the power to choose the president in four years and in every election after that. That's why th- this was a very unwise precedent, and I'm glad Congress didn't pursue it. So there's an editor in The New York Times who asked Tom Cotton to write an editorial on why he believes federal troops should have been used in Washington. And she got fired for asking you to write an editorial. <laughs> she is now uh, with Politico. And she writes this. I should probably take a pause for a programming note since you might be wondering why I'm here doing here. About a week ago, the editors of Politico kindly asked me to be the first in a rotation of outside writers honored with the chance to write a newsletter before the new playbook team takes over. You may have seen me getting bounced out because of my editorial with Tom Cotton. 
arguing for the use of military to prevent the rioting that accompanied some of the peaceful protests over the summer. As our editorial made clear, I disagree with Cotton. That was one reason I supported running the piece. And so I hope it doesn't make me a hypocrite now to say that I wish the military had been used in force on Wednesday to stop the rioting and protect what Biden called the Citadel of Liberty. What is your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, Brian, it's another example of the shoe being on the other foot and pinching a little bit. Uh, last summer, insurrection gripped our streets. You had insurrectionists attacking federal property on, in Lafayette Park trying to tear down the statue of Andrew Jackson, just like they attacked uh, the Capitol, federal property yesterday. And what was right last summer was right yesterday. There can be no quarter for insurrectionists. And the full extent of law enforcement needs to be called out to stop it, and if necessary, federal troops as well. Fortunately, it wasn't necessary last summer. Fortunately, it wasn't necessary last summer. But mob violence for political purposes can never be tolerated. It doesn't matter what your sign says. It cannot be tolerated. And are you I just find it rich that all these Democrats are now for law and order when they ignored 200 plus days in Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis and New York City? Uh, I'm, I'm certainly glad that the Democrats did not defund the Capitol Police last summer at the height of their movement to defund police around the country. All right. Uh, Senator Cotton, it's, uh, it's definitely uh, perilous times. Uh, thanks so much for, uh, for all you do, for being the eye of the storm and keeping us updated on what's going on in Washington. All right. Thanks, Brian. Good to be on with you. All right. Same here. one 866 408 Wow. A lot going on. We're also riding the news. A, a resignation from Mick Mulvaney has come across. He was a former chief of staff. Now he's just an ambassador in Northern Ireland. But he wants to get out right away. He says one of the reasons more people don't leave the White House, according to Mick, is that they're afraid they're going to be replaced by somebody worse. Um, they're really a lot of people are upset at the president inside the White House, it seems. And with Mark Meadows. Don't move. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first. Only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. You know, I watched his entire uh, speech this morning. There are 38 allegations he has, factual, legal allegations, related to election integrity, not a single one of which is going to be solved by scaling the walls of the Capitol. you got to go to the courtroom or go to the state legislatures. None of what he was complaining about this morning is going to be solved by, by, by rioting and assaulting the Capitol. No one puts it quite like Trey Gowdy. And Trey Gowdy is someone who just got with the president a few weeks ago. Let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. There you go. Uh, Joe Biden's going to nominate Merrick Garland for attorney general. He's looked to be a centrist. He quote, if media reports are correct, I believe Judge Garland would be a sound choice for the next attorney general. That according to Lindsey Graham. But he's not going to be chairman of every department of every committee because the Republicans are not in charge anymore. Next, everybody should care about this. This is according to Dave Portnoy, the the genius Barstool founder. He has set up a fund to bail out those businesses who have been uh, unluckily and unlawfully 
locked out of doing business, like restaurants and gyms especially. He has raised $18.9 million, and he cannot believe that CNN won't have him on. He told that to Barney and Company. He said, quote, everyone should care about this, close quote. You are 100% right. He has 150,700 supporters. 80 small businesses have been helped, and I am proud to say I contributed as well. Next. Governor Newsom's recall campaign, which he is not supporting, has gotten 1 million signatures. If they get 1.8 million signatures by mid-March, that'll qualify for a recall ballot. It didn't work out really for California last time. They wanted conservative and Arnold Schwarzenegger. They didn't really get that because there's too many Democrats for them to do anything. I bet you Newsom says, good, take this job. I suck at it. Next. Neil Young sells half the rights to his entire catalog to a group called... Hib Gnosis. They also have the libraries of Enrique Inglesis, who I find endlessly sexy, as I do Barry Manilow and Timberland. Uh, so I don't really like Neil Young too much, but people seem to. He sings very slow and nasally. I didn't know you were such an uh, Enrique Inglesis fan. Of course. He never quite shaves and is always tan. A little jealous. Next. The president uh, will award two medals of freedom sometime this morning to a guy very deserving, one of the greatest people ever, Gary Player, Annika Sorenstam, a great female golfer, and posthumously Babe Saharius. That's going to be kind of weird. No press allowed. It's a controversial time for the president. Lastly, Katie Couric will take her turn as host of Jeopardy. Uh, That, according to the L.A. Times, she, of course, is one of the many people in rotation to try to replace the best game show talk show ever and one of the most beloved figures in American television history, Alex Trebek, who passed away with pancreatic cancer after 37 seasons. Ken Jennings, who was a champion, did the job. Evidently, he's not too good. Uh, Katie Couric, probably fine. It's amazing how many jobs she gets and how many people come after her. And guess what? Next. James Comey thinks that Joe Biden's AG should not investigate Donald Trump, even if there is evidence of illegality. He says uh, the FBI director believes there is evidence, but he says that the president-elect Biden's administration should not investigate Trump for a possible criminal case, even if there is maybe evidence, because they want him to focus on other things and we bear for the country. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is proof that there is indeed more to know. Now you know more. Thanks to the Brian Kilmeade Show. And just in, kind of breaking news part, former Attorney General William Barr, who's just been out of the job a week, says President Trump's conduct as a violent mob of his supporters stormed the Capitol was a betrayal of his office and supporters. That's not good. So they did have some friction. They ended on the right way. He said, quote, orchestrating a mob to pressure Congress is inexcusable. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Back in a moment. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. 
Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. I'm just uh, looking at some of the breaking news. Sorry, I got started a second or two late. We're coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, Brian Kilmeade Show will have Chris Christie, governor of New Jersey, on shortly. Uh, he was one of the first major politicians to endorse the president. He's very disappointed in the way the president has acted uh, since the election ended. You've seen him on ABC. He's going to be joining us shortly. Always a great guest. want to bring insight on where we're going from here. There's been about four resignations. Nobody that significant uh, from the president's administration. They have 14 days left. I don't know what the point is to leave. Just stay. Finish out your job. Adam Kinzinger is a great friend of the show. Has just decided that in a tape, and now he's going to do all the networks, he is asking the vice president to invoke the 25th Amendment because the president's not doing his job as president. Uh, I am surprised at that. Enough. Two weeks to go. The president says, I'll provide a peaceful transition. I'm sure he's going to speak a little bit later. He is not going to appear at the RNC today. Evidently, uh, Ronna McDaniel will run unopposed. She'll get some more years under her belt and preside over a fractured caucus, uh, the Republicans are. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We were told that we couldn't win this election. But tonight, we prove that with hope, anything is possible. It is with humility that I thank the people of Georgia for electing me to serve you in the United States Senate. Uh, There you go. Unbelievably, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock win the Senate seats that should have been a layup for Republicans. Uh, Chuck Schumer's majority leader, New York's finest, and nemesis of President Trump. And I really think it's all the president's fault. Number two. The votes for president of the United States are as follows. Joseph R. Biden Jr. of the state of Delaware has received 306 votes. Donald J. Trump of the state of Florida has received 232 votes. Mike Pence, four in the morning, I was already at work, uh, made it official. Lawmakers gaveled in the Electoral College victory for Joe Biden amidst the rubble and ruin. Uh, President finally commits to an orderly transition to power, but does not concede. Number one. Uh, that's how it sounded. The chaos in the Capitol, a generational event, a terrible stain on American history. Four are killed as angry protesters decide to become rioters, most of which are pro-Trumpers. The president's speech lit the fire and the fallout from the president and our country is tremendous. Uh, people around the country, around the world are shocked at what they see. Uh, I'm embarrassed. I know we're going to work our way through it. it all are, already our institution shows they can withstand it. You saw the president, uh, the president-elect get, get his electoral college victory. We're moving forward. The place is cleaned up. But when you see, when you bring, I look like, I, I tell you, it look like 100,000 people. Have you heard any estimates of how many people showed up? Look about 100,000 people. And then the president said, go march on the Capitol. You knew something was going to happen. Now, marching to the Capitol is is something that's not unusual. In Washington, D.C., I'm not there every day, but there's always a protest. I'm always saying to myself, what's going on here? And is anyone paying attention? That's the same Washington, D.C. that watched a St. John's Church be firebombed. Uh, The same one that almost breached the security at the White House. So this all happened before. And as much as I think it's sincere, when Joe Biden came out and made his remarks yesterday, and they were on the money, 
I wonder where that Joe Biden was in Minneapolis, when Minneapolis went on flames, when Kenosha went in flames, when Seattle went for 200 days with a chop zone, and Portland, 220-plus days that even as their liberal mayor saying, we need more cops. But it is time to turn down the rhetoric. And Pelosi and Schumer, you are more culpable than any Mitch McConnell line and almost any Donald Trump tweet. Whether you're ripping up the State of the Union address or or de- deciding that whatever you do, Donald Trump's not going to get his wall, even though you know that you are on the record saying we need it. That's the type of thing that drives people crazy. It gets them incensed. And then when you find out about an election, mail-in voting that's inherently corrupt, that even Jimmy Carter and Jim Baker concluded in their study, it's the hardest to verify because of the pandemic. Some say it was necessary. It just breeds this distrust. But I can never excuse what I just saw. I can never understand that it happened. I understand violent protests, but not from Trump supporters. But that's exactly what happened. And it prompted Kevin McCarthy, who basically had to run for his life, to say this. Cut six. It was more than three dozen. Um, I watched it because of where my office sits, right by the chambers. They all... They first overtook on the west side, where the where the president gets sworn in. Then they overtook on the east side, where they had barriers, and then they rushed up the sto- uh, up the stairs. And you talk about people in these crowds that had helmets and they had ropes. They started scaling the building. People came here to do some damage. Yeah, and they did so much damage. A guy that saw it up close and personal joins us now. Congressman Michael Walt, House Armed Services Committee member, former senior advisor for counterterror for Vice President Cheney and Greenberry. Uh, Congressman, welcome back. Talk to you on TV. Uh, what have you learned today about the people that breach security? Yeah. Hey, Brian. I mean, look, I was just having a conversation uh, with some of the folks uh, down in Florida. You know, it's already going around that this was nothing but Antifa. And I told them, look, both can be true. There might have been some Antifa in there, but this wasn't just a few uh, infiltrators. This was a mob. Uh, they were pushing and trying to break down the House door. We had it barricaded while members evacuated. Some members broke off uh, pieces of furniture, the legs of the furniture, so they had some kind of weapon to defend themselves. But it, it, the, the Capitol was overrun, uh, and uh, and I just want I just want that to be. Uh, crystal clear to, to, to everyone out there. And it's just unacceptable. It needs to be denounced at every level. Uh, and wh- you know, whether it is Portland or whether it is Washington, D.C., there is no place for violence in America. That's not what I fought to defend. So Adam Kinzinger, a fellow Republican, he said with a heavy heart, I'm calling for the sake of democracy for the 25th Amendment to be invoked and for the vice president to do it. That would remove the president for office in two weeks. I talked to Jonathan Turley. He's like, it takes four days to do this. By that time, he's going to be out of office anyway. What do you think about that? Yeah, I I, I, I disagree. I think that is just uh, even more disruptive. Uh, There are uh, there were literally tens of thousands of people supportive of the president, uh, busloads from from my district alone that came uh, because they don't feel like their voices are being heard, uh, that uh, are 100 percent behind him, that are supportive of his policies. Uh, I am absolutely supportive of his policies. And I just think, you know, invoking that, ripping him out of office when we just went through what we went through to confirm Biden as, as the president-elect will be 
uh, will be do even further damage to the to the fabric of the country right now. Mark Zuckerberg, founder of Facebook, uh, says essentially, I'm keeping the president's account suspended. He said the shocking events of 24 hours ago undermined the peaceful and lawful transition of power to his successor, Joe Biden. The decision to use his platform to condone rather than condemn the actions of his supporters at the Capitol Hill has rightly disturbed people in the U.S. Following the certification of the election results in Congress, the priority for the whole country must now be to ensure the remaining 13 days and the days after the inauguration pass peacefully. Uh, therefore, we are extending the block on the president we have placed on his Facebook, Instagram accounts indefinitely for at least the next two weeks until the peaceful transition of power is complete. What's your reaction? You know, I, I, Brian, I think big tech uh, was on a slippery slope, and now they are just they are just all the way down it. And we absolutely 200 percent need reform. I support the president when he was demanding reform. You know, where was big tech? Uh, when we had a Bernie Sanders supporter uh, almost massacring a whole group of Republican congressmen, almost killing uh, Steve Scalise. Where were they uh, when there were riots in the streets, when a police chief was killed trying to defend his business uh, in St. Louis, when a courthouse was under assault for a month, a federal building trying to be defended with, with, with police, you know, federal police officers like yesterday, so, uh, you know, they, they are no longer a neutral platform. They haven't been for a long time. The censorship that's gone on is ridiculous. Uh, and, um, and, you know, what makes you know, has me upset is it's just going to cause a furthering kind of a fracturing of the different realities different parts of American society uh, are living in, uh, where we're just operating off a of completely different sets of facts where you have bias just re- reinforcing bias. Uh, but uh, big tech needs uh, big reform, too much power, too much censorship, uh, and they don't get to make these decisions. A couple of things. This is what Mark Thiessen said about what he's witnessing and how media is at the center of it. Cut 32. Here's the problem. You know, on one hand, Congress is, as an institution has stood up and do its job, but another important institution has failed us, which is the media, because whose job is it to debunk the, the lies? It's the media's job to debunk the lies. But the problem is, from Trump supporters' perspective, these are the same people who spread for two years the, the Russia collusion conspiracy theory uh, that Donald Trump had colluded with Vladimir Putin to steal the election. They pushed the Steele dossier. They attacked the president nonstop and distorted his record, wouldn't give him credit for the things he did right, attacked him and distorted the things he, he, they, they felt he did wrong. And so there's no trust. They don't trust the media. And so we've lost the only arbiter of truth that we have, which is the independent free press. Does he have a point? Yeah, absolutely. He has a point, Brian. I mean, you see this all the time. You know, if the media gets something wrong, you know, they further something that's just completely untrue. It's kind of a shoulder shrug, if that. Maybe there's a footnote on the, the bottom of the, you know, of, of page two uh, the next day. That, you know, they, they call it air quote a correction. You know, uh, we do it, and, and, and we're outright liars. And, you know, in my case, because I've, I've stood up to make some constitutional arguments on some constitutional concerns on how states ran their elections, uh, I was called by a major paper in Orlando, a coward, uh, a, a traitor, uh, <laughs> um, a disloyal to my oath, uh, you know, right to, right to character attacks. So I think uh, people see the hypocrisy. Uh, they've lost trust. Uh, and you add that with what's going on with big tech, and I think that's a big part of why we are where we are. 
No question. Uh, a couple of things going on. You just got another Republican into the fray. Um, and that, I think, narrows the margin to nine in the House. What does that change? I, I'm not following you. Another Republican into the fray. Yeah. Uh, Vernon, another uh, Democrat from Georgia, just became a Republican and left the Democratic Party. So to, I guess, cut it down to nine, the deficit? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I hope that it will force Pelosi uh, to actually begin working with us on substance. You know, we talked this morning that compromise can't be oh. a dirty word. That oh, we'd my, my bad. Uh, Vernon Jones is state rep. My bad. Uh, right. Well, right. Yeah. Down in. Uh, but 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 to the point you were getting at at the narrow margin in the House, uh, you know, there time after time after time uh, we've seen if she were willing to actually get a bill through the Senate, through a Republican led Senate and into law, whether it was covid or immigration reform or you name it, you know, she would have compromised. She would have taken the hard votes with her progressive left. Uh, and got, put something through the House that would get through the Senate and into bill. But instead, it's pure politics uh, and uh, with with poison pills that she knows we will vote against so that she can use it in attack ads later. I'm hoping with this narrower margin uh, that she will actually be interested uh, in getting things passed uh, that that are reasonable and, and common sense for the American people. So a couple of things, how the rest of the world is viewing us. Boris Johnson he put out this statement. It's disgraceful scenes in U.S. Congress. The United States stands for democracy around the world. It is now vital that there should be a peaceful and orderly transfer of power. NATO General Secretary Jan Stolenberg says yeah. shocking scenes in Washington, D.C. The outcome of this Democratic election must be respected. Michael Martin of Ireland, the Irish people have a connection with the United States, a deep one built up many generations. I know that many like me will be watching the scenes unfolding in Washington with great concern and dismay. Uh, Justin Trudeau, Canadians are deeply disturbed and saddened by the attack on democracy in the United States, our closest ally and neighbor. Violence will never succeed in overruling the will of the people. Democracy in the U.S. must be upheld, and it will be. Now, those are friends. What about China? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, look, to our friends, it, was, it, it is. It's a shocking scene, uh, the cradle of democracy, to see uh, you know, our seat of government being stormed uh, with, with violence. So, so their, their reaction is understandable. Uh, of course, uh, the Chinese, the Russians, uh, Maduro has been, has been tweeting all night long, uh, are just going to use this to further their propaganda that their system of government is far superior than ours. The Russians have been doing it for decades. You know, with the unrest in the 60s, uh, you know, they had a field day. The North Koreans using their propaganda. Uh, that's that's par for the course for uh, for them. But for the Chinese in particular, because they actually have the capability, unlike the Soviets, with their economic strength that, frankly, we're feeding into uh, with our loss of IP theft and our capital to actually challenge the American dream and challenge uh, our leadership around the world. That has me particularly disturbed. Uh, and we need to right this ship. And, Brian, part of it, though, is not just shrugging our shoulders and pretending like these constitutional issues that we were debating yesterday uh, will just go away. They won't. They're going to continue to plague our elections. We do need to put measures in place to fix them. That's at both the state and the federal level. And, and as I've mentioned, Florida finally got its act together. 
these other states can too, mm. uh, because we have to restore gotcha. faith in our democracy. It doesn't work without faith from both sides. All right, Congressman, thanks so much. Congressman Michael Waltz of Florida, appreciate it. When we come back, we'll take your calls, one 408 Then Governor Chris Christie, busy day. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. What I hope is that he he and his people will be as clear-eyed on, in terms of understanding the depth of the political division in this country that they're facing as they are about this about the, the scope of the pandemic because if they have illusions about anything about how uh, that that they will somehow be able to kumbaya their way into uh, bipartisanship and unity the calls for unity are inspiring up by joe biden it was the right message for the election but man it is it is going to be very hard to bridge the chasm that we have seen open up over the last four years uh, we know that uh, that is pretty much going to be the case, although I do have a hope that after yesterday's uh, anarchy, the anarchy that we saw, that things will realize, people will realize uh, their words matter, their actions matter, stop ripping up State of the Union addresses, uh, stop uh, saying you're putting kids in cages because you want to secure the border, and they'll understand uh, that we hit the breaking point and that people are going to have to start cutting deals. Uh, the the one thing I'm happy about yesterday was, uh, despite the insurrection, despite everything else, the lawmakers went back amidst the rubble and they went ahead and they gaveled in the electoral college result. Now, in uh, in six of those states, you got problems. Not enough to, that I've seen to overturn the verdict of those people in that state, from Pennsylvania to Arizona to Wisconsin to Georgia to, um, and I think that's about it, uh, and to Michigan. But hopefully they're going to fix this. They're going to both sides are going to fix it and say, can we just get the right person winning? And then that'll lower the temperature big time. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Over the next 10 days, we get to see the machines that are crooked, the ballots that are fraudulent, and if we're wrong, we will be made fools of. But if we're right, a lot of them will go to jail. So, let's have trial by combat. I don't even know what that means, but I'm not a lawyer. Uh, my next guest is former U.S. attorney, uh, Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey, uh, good friend, a longtime fr- uh, friend of the president, was one of the first major politicians to endorse the president outside Senator Jeff Sessions at the time, and couldn't be more disappointed with what he saw yesterday, and he's kind enough to call in. Governor, welcome back. Happy to be back, Brian. Thank you for having me. I just want you to – what does that mean, trial by combat? It is a completely ridiculous, um, cheap applause line 
from a guy who I have had over my life enormous respect for, but who um, over the last number of months has conducted himself in a, in a completely deplorable manner. Why? I don't understand it. I've spoken to Rudy about it. I've implored him to stop um, doing what he's doing um, to no avail. And it's been incredibly disappointing to watch a guy who truly led uh, America's biggest city through one of its darkest moments in its history in a way that everybody admired and respected. And instead now I think the way Rudy Giuliani is going to be remembered is through the conduct um, that he has done on behalf of this president in the pre-election and post-election period. And, you know, you could even say, well, in the Ukraine situation, that was Rudy, too, because, yeah, there was something there. But the way he handled it was ass backwards. Uh, yeah. yeah, made no sense, Brian. And, and, and I think, you know, so much of this is, unfortunately, um, you get into um, the, some people get into a mode with the president where he always says things the way he wants them to be, not necessarily the way they are. And, um, you know. If you don't, if you're not careful, um, you can get sucked into that into that vortex, and I think that's part of what's happened to Rudy here. So, what happened yesterday? You did you say if I if I I said on Monday I said I I don't understand what's happening. They're banging in the electoral college in the afternoon, and you're having that demonstration in the morning. And one of the comments I said that I got so much backlash for from uh, a lot of the people that are nice enough to listen and watch. So I said, it's going to be anarchy. I go, wait a second. At the same time, the vice president's being pressured to to uh, certify the Electoral College. The president's going to be having a, uh, a, a, set, a stop the steal rally down the block. How's that going to be? Did you predict something like this was going to happen? Not only did I predict it, Brian, um, but um, I believe it was completely intentional on the president's part. I, I believe he was doing it. Not to have what happened uh, in specifically at the Capitol yesterday, but I think he did it um, in order to try to exert the maximum amount of pressure on the vice president. Uh, and I no doubt in my mind that that was absolutely planned that way um, by the president. Senator Inhofe spoke to Mike Pence yesterday, and he says he's never seen Mike Pence as angry and I guess the word is disheartened. He said, after all I've done for Trump, uh, he did this because the president questioned his courage when he said, I had no constitutional ability to stop this anyway. Even if I could, I can't. And the president questions his courage in a tweet. And evidently he was so angry at, uh, at President Trump, excuse me, Vice President uh, Biden, uh, Pence, that he was, uh, he was blind with rage, according to The Washington Post. So what about those two? Well, it's about time. It's about time that, that Mike Pence stood up for himself. Um, there have been any number of situations before where I know that Mike deeply disagreed with what the, how the president was conducting himself, um, and he didn't say anything. And, you know, um, I know as, as a vice president, you got to be, you know, a member of the team, but you don't give away your integrity. Uh, and I'm glad um, that Mike stood up and did the right thing yesterday. It's long overdue. But, you know, I think to, in the big picture, I think he agreed with a lot of what the, what the president was doing. He just did, would approach it in a totally different way. Uh, I mean, for but, a foreign you know, policy, domestic, right? Yeah, but, you know, uh, Brian, you know, words matter. 
and we found that out yesterday even even more starkly. Um, and behavior matters. Um, and what happens is when behavior is so bad that it begins to obscure the policy that you're attempting to make, um, then you can no longer be an effective public servant. And I think that the president crossed that line many times over the last four years. And as you know, I pointed it out when I thought he did. And I think that I'm glad that the vice president um, has finally done that. So have you had a chance to speak to the president? I have not. When's I last tried time? yesterday. Yeah. I tried yesterday to get him on the phone as I saw events unfolding on TV to to urge him to get out there and tell his people to leave the um, uh, the Capitol grounds and to stop the violence. Uh, and I tried for about 25 minutes uh, through a number of different people at the White House to get through to him, and I couldn't get through. And the, the word is, you know, he's got four resignations today, but the word is he's surrounded by uh, Mark Meadows and McAtee, as well as uh, Stephen Miller. Are those the right people to be around him? Listen, I think those are the people he has left. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of people left. And I think after yesterday and his con- – listen, this is this is about nothing more uh, but certainly something as big as the president's conduct yesterday. And Rudy's conduct, which you just showed, and Don Jr.'s conduct, you know, to say we're coming after you, um, I don't know who he thinks he is. Um, but, you know, he's the son of somebody who's accomplished something. And for him to be throwing threats out there, to, again, to get cheap applause um, at a rally, not understanding um, or appreciating or maybe even caring that he was inciting that crowd to violence. That's what they did. And so, you know, I don't know who the president's going to be able to get around them for the next 13 days um, or, or thereafter, quite frankly. So, you know, it's, it's a shame. And you know this better than me. You've, you, you know politics inside and out. You know, the, you know uh, other presidents. You, 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 know, you cut your teeth on Bush 43 and, and got new Bush 41, excuse me, and got to know Bush 43. So you know the inner workings of Washington and beyond. What the president was able to accomplish in the big picture was one of the most impactful four years in the history of our country outside maybe James K. Polk, who finished off Manifest Destiny. And instead of sitting back over the last three weeks and saying, I don't like this mail-in balloting, something else happened. What happened with that loss that had him act in a way uh, I have not seen before? Since November 3rd, he has been his own worst enemy, and it came to a head yesterday. What What about the president It made him unable to digest that loss? The president's never been able to accept losing in any part of his life has always rationalized away losing. You know, three of his bankruptcies were not really his fault. They were someone else's fault. Any bad business deals were always someone else's fault. Um, you know, this is kind of a pattern. Now, the other piece of this, Brian, is politics is a tough business, a uniquely tough business, because of how public it is and how everyone in America is paying attention to politics. And I, I think this is where the president, never having been involved in politics in any way before, um, was was ill-suited for all of this and didn't learn over the four years. I thought he was going to learn over the four years, and he didn't. When you get in this game, losing is an even bigger probability than winning. And you, when you enter the game, what you implicitly sign up for is accepting losing 
because the system, the Constitution, um, is more important than any individual person. Unfortunately, I think what the president showed yesterday is he believes he's more important than the system, bigger than the office. And I think he's going to learn um, that that was a very, very big miscalculation. And he's been doing that, quite frankly, Brian, since 2.30 a.m. on the morning after the election when he gave his first remarks alleging, while votes were still being counted, that the election was being stolen from him without presenting any evidence. And to this day, has not presented any evidence but um, conclusory statements um, that have been rejected by every court in this country, Republican and Democratic judges who have heard the arguments. And um, it's this inability to accept losing and this absolute belief that he is bigger than the office that he occupied that has now sent him down this horrible path. Well, I'm not saying anything you said is wrong, but there's been 60-plus cases. What I hear all the time is, but the, these courts won't hear them. That's adding to the frustration. What do you say? I say that that's, that's simply not correct. Um, there have been many of the cases. Some of them have been sent away on standing grounds, but many of them have been heard on substance. And affidavits have been submitted. And you know, we had one Trump judge in Pennsylvania say to ask us to disenfranchise all of these people, you would think there would be a mountain of evidence and compelling legal arguments, and there are neither. That's a judge who reviewed the evidence. And, you know, how long have we heard, Brian, about Dominion voting machines? And any day now, we're going to hear about all the incredible evidence of Dominion voting machines. We're still waiting. Rudy's yeah. promised it. Yeah. Sidney Powell's promised it. We've heard nothing. Um, and the proof on, on Dominion voting machines is they used them in Georgia. And when they did a hand recount, there was a couple of hundred vote difference between the machine count and the hand count. Um, and why did it only fix the race at the top if it was fixing something? How did Republicans win down ballot? You mean they only fixed the presidential race? That's the way they worked it? I mean, this stuff is just not plausible. And and it's unfortunate that the president continues to repeat it without putting forward the evidence, because I'll tell you this, Brian, if there were evidence, real evidence that this election had been stolen from him, you know me, I would be out front fighting to make sure that this was done the right way. But the fact of the matter is, by the time the vote happened last night, he can only get six United States senators to support him. A couple of things. Uh, number one, yeah, I, I do believe that. You also said on Sunday you believe both Georgia Senate seats would go stay Republican, I believe, uh, on the on this week with George Stephanopoulos, I think, with Martha Raddatz. What happened? Yeah. Um, you know, listen, I think a few things happened. You know, elections have to be about the candidates. When elections are about the candidates and you have good candidates, most of the time they win. And we had good candidates, I think, in, in Georgia. The problem is the election was made about um, predominantly about the election from November 3rd. The president continued to force that narrative and tell people that their governor was crooked, their secretary of state was crooked, their voting systems were crooked. Well, why would people go out and vote in a system that their president is telling them is crooked and is robbing from them? And I think that's the single biggest reason that you saw rural turnout in Georgia down from where it had been on Election Day, while Democratic turnout remained at just about the same level. 
And that's why we lost the election. The president made this election. All you have to do is look at the two rallies he did in Georgia, Brian. The 80, 80, 85% of his conversation, his speeches in those um, rallies were about himself and how the election was stolen from him and about his uh, complaints. Very little time spent on Kelly Loeffler or David Perdue. And they were forced then to own that as the narrative of the campaign rather than the radical ideas of John Ossoff or Raphael Warnock. And if you run that kind of race, you're going to lose. And the president is responsible in the main for lower turnout because he demeans the voting system and the elected officials in Georgia with no factual basis. So, uh, so Governor, uh, we're talking to Governor Christie, obviously. Uh, Governor, a couple of things. We, we're seeing ju- um, uh, Congressman Kinzinger, Adam Kinzinger, come out and said, I want the 25th Amendment. The president's got to be uh, call, uh, uh, essentially kicked out. The vice president's got to call for it, and half his cabinet will do that. Uh, Chuck Schumer has backed that up. Uh, he's got two weeks left. Jonathan Turley says, you know, by the time this thing works out procedurally, it's going to be weeks on end. What's that about? And do you support that? I mean, listen, I, I think that what um, the people who are in best position to make that judgment, of course, are the vice president and the cabinet are with the president every day. Um, you know, I, I'm not somebody who thinks that any of that stuff has to be done. The president has 13 days left and the president should acquit himself with honor and integrity over these last 13 days. He should learn from what's happened over the last 24 hours. Um, And I am, um, you know, very, very concerned um, that he gets focused on what needs to be done in these last 13 days and do it that way. Would you recommend he show up for the inauguration? Um, I absolutely believe he should. Um, I think it's an important tradition um, in this country that whether you are leaving at the end of two terms and being replaced by someone in your own party or someone by the opposite party, or if you've been defeated for re-election, like Jimmy Carter in our lifetime and George Bush 41 in our lifetime, um, you know, that that person should be there in order to show the American people, again, as I was saying before, that the Constitution and the office is bigger than any man. Got it. Uh, Governor, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, there's a guy who wants to see the president do well for 20 years, his friend, his economic, his political advisor, but cannot condone uh, the last few weeks, especially the last few days. Back in a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Final thing, Joe Biden, I've traveled the world with Joe. I hoped he lost. I prayed he would lose. He won. He's the legitimate president of the United States. I cannot convince people, certain groups, by my words, but I will tell you by my actions, that maybe I, among any, above all others in this body, need to say this. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are lawfully elected and will become the president and the vice president of the United States 
on January the 20th. So he goes on to say something that is really extraordinary, uh, Lindsey Graham does, and I think we should hear it. Yeah, the uh, the other one he said, which was a little bit right after that comment, really caught me because I had texted him to find out where he stood on all this, and it's really where uh, the rubber hit the road for him. And he basically says, uh, we've been through a lot. Cut 17. Trump and I, we've had a hell of a journey. I hate it then this way. Oh, my God, I hate it. From my point of view, he's been a consequential president. But today, first thing you'll see. All I can say is uh, count me out. Enough is enough. Think about that. You understand, he was golfing with him, trying to get him to sign the $900 billion bill and the budget bill and the defense authorization bill, which was overridden. And he did. He got him to sign the other ones. But this was a bridge too far. What the president does in the next 12 days could really help things. Hopefully, he'll get it together. Go to BrianKillmeetShow.com. Listen anytime, anywhere. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.